I, I tell you that, you know, I didn't trust him any longer. I really didn't, but I trusted God. I, I feel like it was so clear what I was being told to do that I just didn't feel as though you're gonna lead me down the wrong path without being next to me. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoyed these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. We are in part two of Mark and Pam's story. Um, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to pause right now, jump back and listen um, to last week's episode. Because um, while what we're going to talk about today is really the stuff I'm excited for us to talk about, you really got to figure out how they got to this point first. So so make sure, pause it, jump back to the last episode, um, kind of hear what their lives were like leading up to marriage, where we're picking things up today. And so in the last episode, you guys had just shared, um, you get married after six years of dating, kind of not on a whim because it's six years, but kind of on a whim. Um, and while there's a lot of good things and you guys are feeling a lot of joy and safety, really, um, a lot of uh, goodness about who you guys are, that doesn't mean everything goes well. And while it's better than what you experienced in the past and what you guys experienced growing up, um, it's kind of still on this collision course that eventually we'll get to. Um, on this podcast. And so um, take us from there. You guys get married. Um, faith isn't really a part of it. You know, there's belief and, and all that, but mostly bad experiences push you guys away from the church and away from that type of community. Uh, Mark, are you still working as a machinist or where are you in that part of your story? Yeah, I think um, at that point um, I was not running the machines anymore. I was in the quality side of the, the business and kind of the management side at that okay. point, um, working. Um, we got married, and to me it was like, cool, I'm marrying my best friend, and the party's going to continue. Sure. And didn't stop and think about it that, okay, people see you in a different light now you're married. Um, me not picking on social norms, but um, kept playing music. The, um, obviously, the addiction was over at that point. I think things were going great for a while for the first couple of years. Yeah, Pam, were you yeah. were you still in school? Um, no, I got married in my second year of pharmacy. Okay. Um, so I was finished um, and working, and um, I worked full time until we had Graham, which yep. was in two thousand or excuse me, nineteen ninety three. Um, we were married three years, and I started at that point working part time. So Mark was doing his thing, and yep. I kind of saw my position more as, you know, I was kind of support. Um, I was fortunate; I was 
pharmacy is a good profession, so I could work part-time yeah. and raise my kids and still support him. And um, so that's kind of what we were grooving with. Mark and I were always really good with common goals. We always had, you know, okay, well, this is where we want to go now, sure. and this is where we want to be, and then we want to buy this. And so, you know, we kind of had our common goals, and we were working really diligently and kind of as a well-oiled machine in that area. Yeah. Um, but we weren't a unit. We were two individuals going toward this common goal, but we weren't doing it as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did for a really long time. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we talk with our couples sometimes, and you know, I talk about the triangle where, you know, I'm on the left, Pam's on the right, God's at the center yeah. of the top, and as we move closer to God, we move closer together. We were very parallel. Okay. Going um, Super parallel lives. Yeah. Pam was not the the woman that my parents saw me marrying. Okay. She was actually the furthest thing that they would ever <laughs> want me to marry, which is was wonderful for me because it was a way to me to get back, to go, ha, 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 yeah. you know, see? And, of course, Pam's still struggling with her family. You know, she was living with me in my house, and her mom was like, well, no, you still have responsibilities here. So we're constantly getting torn um, and pulled apart from that. Um, I'm still, you know, going 90 miles an hour, partying, having fun, not paying attention. Life is great. Started hanging around some of the people at work that weren't the best people that I should have been involved with. And was easily led into situations. Um, I think when Pam was pregnant, um, I was struggling with that. There was a lot of, you know, tension because yep. of that. And again, I didn't know how to work through that. How I worked through tension and things were in the past, I just escaped and I ran away. Sure. I made yeah. a left turn. Yeah. So I made a left turn. Um, I wasn't uh, faithful. Had a couple affairs. These were like, you know, one-time thing and just with some people at work. Felt terrible after I did it. It's like, I knew I shouldn't do this. I did it. And then afterwards, I was like, why did I do this? Sure. Carried that with me for many years. Mm, long time. Yeah. Then... Um, Pam, you didn't know at the time. I did not no, know. No, yeah. no, did not know. I did not know. I guess fast forward to... After Eliza was born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so still in kind of this dead-end job. I never finished college. So I decided to go back to college and uh, went to Hopkins um, in a cohort, two and a half years, where it was just nonstop school for two and a half years, wow. two nights a week for three hours. I had you know, two 30-page term papers due every six weeks. Still don't understand ADD, just had to just hyper-focus on school, totally lost. Pam and I were just... Yeah, really bad. You know, because I mean, she's grown up with it. Um, She's so close to it, doesn't realize that I have this, and we're just fighting and fighting. And um, there was a girl in my class that was just very caring, just made me feel good. And there was some inappropriate behavior there. There was never any sexual intercourse or anything. But, and that kind of ended. Finished school. I guess things got a little better with us. They did. This was around 2004, yeah, yeah. and um, I was home with the kids one day. It was the summer, and they were outside playing. And I was running around, and at that point, we had landlines still. And yeah. my phone yeah. rang, and I picked up the phone, and they said, you know, is, is this Pam Muller? And I said, yeah, what can I do for you? Well, did your husband, Mark, 
Is that your husband, Mark? I said, yeah, what can, what can I help you with? Well, did he go to school at Hopkins? And I said, now this is getting weird. Yeah. I said, yes. He said, well, your husband is having an affair with my wife. Wow. And I just kind of froze. And I started, you know, you kind of go into retreat mode. You start, you know, just constantly barraging this person with questions. And when I hung up and I thought, all right, well, this sounds like it was pretty legit. Sure. So I immediately, because of my background, you know, I had dealt with so much crap. Um, I grabbed a suitcase and I opened up the, the chest of drawers and I just started throwing stuff in it. Wow. And as I'm throwing stuff in it, I felt this incredible presence of still. That's all I felt was still. And I thought, what? Okay. So I thought, all right, well, let me pause then. So I called him up. I said, you need to get home now. Yeah. This is what happened. He came home, um, and I think all that night we were up. Friends at the time took our kids. We were up that night just going through it. And it was really heartbreaking for me because this is, after everything I had been through, this is the one person I actually trusted. Yep. And um, it just, my whole world just kind of blew up because I didn't know what to do. So um, fortunately, you reached out to um, a pastor friend of his, um, that said, I want you to talk to this person, which is a counselor. Um, we started going to counseling, and this was in August of 2004. Um, and we were there six months. Or six months, where I still still had this history sure. before. Yep. And was like, what am I going to do with this? Yep. You know, I'm thinking I shouldn't say anything because that's protecting my wife, when in the long run, no, that was the worst thing to do. And I think during counseling, we would go separately and go together. Mm -hmm. And I think he told Pam, you know, be careful. There's probably more. Yeah. You know, just taking like a pastoral moment here. Anybody who's listening to this podcast who is wrestling with something and you have something like that you're trying to shove, specifically sin, deep down inside, everything in the dark will always comes to light. And that's biblical nothing that you have going on in your life will ever stay completely dark. And the pain and the destruction of self and others, when you try to hide those things and push those things down, it's so much worse than if you're willing to just be honest. And you can't do it. You just can't. You, you know, it doesn't matter how skilled you are at hiding things or even how your past you know, childhood trauma and like the guardedness that you've, the walls you've created, doesn't matter how strong those walls are. When there are things in our life that we are trying to keep away from other people, specifically our spouse, it never plays out that way. And so that's ultimately what you're trying to do. You're also going to counseling in 2004, which at the time isn't cool, you know, and is there a pressure there? Like, do people know you guys are going to counseling? Because I know that's one of the hardest things with it is when, when other people find out you're doing it, you're like, oh, no, they think they, they now they know or now they think our marriage is struggling. Um, did you guys have community at the time that, like, was for that? This is the irony. I, I, I don't. I don't think in the beginning we did. Well, I knew that when this came out, I just felt this really strong drive to go to our really important people in our lives and yeah. tell them. Yeah. It kept coming up. I kept pushing it down. Yeah. And Easter morning, right? The, it's, God, God it's, reached down and said, nope. Yeah. And it came out. Everything I, came everything out. Everything came out Easter morning yeah. with her. Right. So I, her. 
he he was just he kind of stared at me and I'm like what's up and he just wouldn't speak and then everything came up and he told me about the other two women and what had happened and um, what was going on and I just I felt numb that's the absolutely numb I didn't hear it's Easter morning we're going to see family you know, what's going through my mind is, oh my gosh, how am I going to split up a 401k? And how are we going, sure. to, how are we going to split this house? And what are we going to do? Because this was number three. And I thought, three strikes, you're out. Yeah. This was number three. So I thought, no, I, n- this isn't going to work. So we got through Easter Day visiting, and Mark was taking friends of ours to the airport because they were going to go away um, that night. And Mark said, well, I'm going to drive them. It's just going to be you at home. Is that cool? I was like, yeah, it's fine. Because I was, I was just numb. Sure. So I was sitting up in our bedroom, and I remember sitting there and just being numb. And I looked up very tearfully, and I said, I don't know what to do. You need to help me. And um, th- this is just blows me away every time I repeat it. I heard, pick up the Bible. Mm. And I thought, Great, I've had all this happen. Now I'm hearing auditory hallucinations. Now I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and I just sat there and I thought, eh. And I heard it again, pick up the Bible. So I went over and I picked up the Bible and I thought, if you want me to do it, you tell me where to open it. I'm just gonna open it and you show me where I need to read. And it was the book of Ruth. And I started reading the book of Ruth, which I didn't know the book of Ruth. I was raised Catholic. We did, mis- you know, missile yeah, I, I, I didn't yep. know this. Yeah. I knew Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't even know Ruth. So I was reading the book of Ruth. And as I'm reading through it, the phrase, shall the Lord, you know, the Lord shall deal with me ever so severely if anything but death were to separate us. And I reminded me of my wedding vows. And I got angry. And I took the Bible and I threw it against the wall and I said, screw you. I'm not doing that, screw you. And I sat there and I was mad and I heard pick up the Bible. And I was like, dang it, all right, now what? I said, all right. So I picked up the Bible and I was pissed and I I opened it to the adulterous woman. And I read, for he who is without sin shall cast the first stone. And I just, stood there you know I just looked at it and I thought oh my gosh um what are you telling me you know I I I get it and I was reading that and I I paused for a second and I said why should why should I believe any of this yeah why should I believe any of this and I continued to read and I read for I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and I closed the Bible and I said, I'm yours for life. Tell me what you want me to do. And that's on Easter morning yeah. and Easter day. So it was, it was very, um, I really feel like God reached down and pulled me out of the muck yeah. because I couldn't mm-hmm. do it for myself. It, yeah. There was just so much and I, it, I was so overwhelmed by everything in my life and here's the one person that I trusted and now he's gone. You know, you've taken, I, I felt kind of a little Job-like, like sure. I, everything is gone. Sure. I have nothing left. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when, you know, one of, one of my favorite authors, he's a very old author, is A.W. Tozer. Yeah, yeah. And he said, um, the reason why so many are still 
the reason why so many are troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they have not yet come to the end of themselves. Yeah. And I thought, that was it. He had to take me to nothingness yeah. before he could build me back up again. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was, at nothingness. Wow. Um, then that night, <laughs> we're sitting in the bed, bedroom. She's on the floor crying. I'm, I'm leaning next to the bed. Try to get to say, okay. <laughs> you know how I was okay. trying to do the vows with her. Yeah. <laughs> and I just said, God, I'm a piece of shit. I don't understand this life. I don't belong here. Just take me now. And I swear, I felt him touch my shoulder and said, you have a do-over. So I think we both hit we had do-overs. Bottom yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah we had do-overs. And we, we didn't know we what that meant. Yeah. Yeah, that we had point. no idea what right. that meant. That Sorry I couldn't get that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, just, you know, putting the most obvious thing out there, you don't know what that means fully, right? right? Because you've not seen it. Right. You feel God's presence. You read God's word. And he's saying do-overs are possible. Right. You know, we collectively call it endless second chances. That is a real thing. Yeah. But what the heck does that mean? Yep. Especially because of what you guys had gone through in your past. Because here you are coming face to face with all the previous pain that you had growing up, you know, in your early college years, the things you tried to avoid, um, the things that you tried to protect yourself from. But you're in this marriage and there, and there they are, you know, and, and pushing on those buttons and, and all those things. And so God, which he gives everybody a do over mm-hmm. if they're willing to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what did you guys do next? Because it's not as simple. And you guys know this and we'll, we'll get to this more when we talk about marriages. It's not as simple as saying, let's fight for this. Right. Or saying, hey, we get a do over mm-hmm. because that's almost the easy part compared to what comes next, um, specifically because you also have young kids. Right. And so you're trying to be good parents for them. Try not to be like your parents right. to them. Right. Um, and here you are fighting for this marriage. The cool thing is you're fighting together. Right. It's not one of you fighting and the other person being, you know, dragged along. But what did that lead to next? Because, you know, that's the rock bottom moment um, where faith is all of a sudden like, this is a part of my life. Right. What did you guys do next? Right. When we continued with the counseling, and I think that's when um, we were talking about my past a little bit, and our our counselor leaned forward and he said, have have you ever heard of ADHD? And Pam's like, yeah, I have. I'm like, no, what's that? So he gave me the test, and I think the score was, you know, 20. Mm -hmm. I got like a 50 out of 20. (laughs) I I overachieved. and he, um, again, I think he's like the pillars that God puts, you know, when you talk about the tapestry, you know, there, yeah. was, there was the one pastor that during this time of me struggling and wrestling with this, I got to know this pastor and he was just like you, Michael. He was real. He was just another guy sitting across the table from me. And he's who I called yeah. after this. And he sent us to Ken, who was our counselor, who sent me to... David Goodman, who is one of the leading experts in the world on ADD, yeah, and got me on medication, and we started working that way. But I know we, we did talk to all of our friends, and we told everybody about this, told both of our parents, called my brothers, told them everything. Um, 
and then somebody you worked with yeah. said, hey, come to this church. And it was early years of FCF. And this was very interesting for me because we go there when they were in the elementary school. And we go and we sit down and I'm like, okay, church, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, but it's, I'm looking around at everybody. It's yeah. like, wow, everybody here looks like they're totally effed up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> This feels good. <laughs> my, my people. Right, like, right, right. My yeah. and, yeah. there's, and there's a song playing, and I'm like, man, this is really cool. It's a Christian song, but this, my hair's standing up. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out. The band starts playing, and the guy sang Dare You to Move from Switchfoot. Yeah. And it just nailed me. Yeah. Like, get up and do something. And it was so cool. He's one of my best friends now. He was struggling. He had just gotten out of jail. He was high as a kite when he sang that song at church. Wow. So God's weakness, using somebody's weakness. Yeah. So um, we, we, we... So we started in, yeah, around two... This was around 2005. Right. Um, early 2005. We got very involved. He started to play. Um, we just started going to church every week. Yeah. We put our kids yeah. in. We started going to church every week. And at the time, um, the person who was the, the care minister said, well, we're trying to set up a marriage ministry. Um, and we think you guys would be really good in it. Do they know any of your story? No. So we're like, okay. So there was another couple and there was two of us. And we just started at that point trying to go through the, the, the walk of what is this going to look like for people? How is this going to look? And we continued we continued going to counseling for eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we were in Bible study, yeah. and we actually got baptized together. And we did get baptized together. together. Um, and but then, it was a lot. Yeah. It was But then hard. that's when, you know, I was thinking, because we, we talked about, you know, Psalm 23, and just thinking about different things, you know, the one where he prepares a table. Yeah in front of my enemies and anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. As soon as we got baptized, all of our rock and roll friends, something changed, whether the Holy Spirit, they saw it, um, and God got rid of all. I mean, we lost our entire group of friends. Everybody. Everybody. Everything evaporated. And it was really, really tough, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, God hears conversations we don't hear. He closes yep. doors we wouldn't close, yep. and He closed those doors. And um, it was hard. And I mean, it was it was yeah. hard, but it's I think that's huge. Yeah, it yeah. was just we. You know, I mean, He stripped us down to to, to nothing. Just yeah. just us two bare nothing, yeah. and um, has built us up from there. Well, and one of the things too is, the, I mean, these moments suck, right? But I think all Christians who have a strong faith will acknowledge there was this there was a moment where God stripped them down of everything. And that's their ego, that's the sin that they're trying to hide, that's the defensiveness of the walls. And one of the hardest things about those moments though is it's not just stripping you down in your marriage, it's stripping down all your childhood stuff too, right? Because you can't just do the marriage stuff without digging into why. Like, where does all this come from, you know? And so when we talk about Rock Bottom at Collective, and we don't talk about it as a warning, we just talk about it as a reality when you pursue Christ, it's like the bottom of everything, you know? And you have to work through all of it in order to get to kind of that healthy place. And God's asking you guys to do that. Um, But you also have kids, you know, and careers are crazy, you know? So you're balancing all these things 
And then at some point, you know, like you said earlier, you're asked, Hey, let's, will you do some marriage ministry stuff? What was that? What did that feel like? You know, like, did you say yes right away? Cause again, like there's still a lot of stuff you said counseling for eight years. You're still in the middle of a lot of restoration. You've seen good things. Um, but you know, it clearly started to tug on you guys. It did. And I think we, when we were asked, we both kind of laughed. We're like, I don't think you want us, you know, you, yeah. you really want us. And they said, no, we want people that have struggled. We want people that understand what marriage is. Yeah. And, um, we were, we were those people when we were working through it. So we, we stepped into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say pretty eagerly. Yeah. And we, um, we were trained in a lot of different okay. areas. It's not, you know, as yeah. if you just go, Oh, let's do marriage ministry. Yeah. Which is, let me just put this <laughs> little aside in there. Um, that is rare. Like most churches are like, Hey, you're a person that's married. You should go do counseling. And in fact, like one of my biggest <laughs> frustrations with pastors is a lot of pastors do premarital. We have no right to do premarital counseling. Like I'm married, you know, Ray and I are about to hit year 14, which is great. That's a long time, you know, but I didn't go to school for counseling. I have no background in this outside of my own experience. Now, can I share my own experience? Yes. But oftentimes in churches, it's like, yeah, just go talk to those people. So it's really good that they gave some training because that is not normal. Um, you know, I don't do premarital at collective because I'm not supposed to do it. Like I'm not the skilled person in this, you know, I have a marriage and it's, and it's healthy and it's had its highs and lows, but that's all I've got. Now, could I offer wisdom? Yes. And could I, could I help a couple? Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's something so important about having experience and training. And so for anybody listening, there's your warning, you know, when you go into marriage stuff and you go into premarital, you should ask the pastor or the people, Hey, what training do you have? Life experience is a part of that, but it can't be the only part of that. And so they give you training, which so is So we great. did, we, we had training and then we also did multiple different, many different programs. Anytime we could get a program, yeah. we would, we would take the program. Yeah. We would go to workshops. We would do for years. I mean, really for years, we would just consume everything mm -hmm. we could consume on it, Read you know, going to different books, doing mm -hmm. different retreats, different. So we, we were just really just totally mm -hmm. immersed in marriage ministry. And we did that for so long. And I think it, it works out great because Pam's got the background with yes. psychology. Yeah. And I mean, we're not counselors, we're mentors. Um, so Pam's able to to read people and see that. And I'm just kind of the, hey, this is getting really tough for everybody, so let me just do something to break the ice, yeah. to share something stupid, you know, just to, so I think as a team, it works out well. Good, cap, good cop, bad cop. Yeah, good cop, <laughs> bad cop kind of thing. Yeah. It's... <laughs> you know, someone who tends to be led by their mind and someone who tends to be led by their heart, both things that, to be honest, were kind of criticized in you two when you were younger, mm -hmm. you know, both things that were gifts from God, but were, weren't seen that way, mm -hmm. you know, and now all of a sudden God's using both of those things. Cause like, you know, Pam, you see the things that Mark might not and Mark, you feel the things that Pam might not. And that's what people, they need both. And when you know? we did, when we did our pre-marriage mentoring, we had to do it through the Catholic Church. And, you know, at this point in my life, I owned a home. I was older. We're sitting there, and it's like 40 couples in an auditorium, and this guy and his wife sitting on the stage. And he's saying, well, um, foreplay for me is having coffee with my wife on Saturday morning. 
and she teach me how to, I know you want to laugh, but teach me how to balance a checkbook. And I leaned over to Pam and I said, I need to talk to this guy about foreplay. And I already know how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, this is not it's pre-marriage not mentoring at all. So yeah. we knew, you know, I wish I had a Pam and Mark. Yeah. So somebody could have awakened me. Because um, it's amazing with our couples just just to see, to bring these things up, to get them to talk and say, hey, look, this is for you guys. Whatever happens is between us. The only disclosure will be if somebody's talking about suicide, yep. we're going to intervene. But we're going to share, we're going to be open. And to see these couples, the changes in them, when they actually talk about things that usually don't happen until several years into marriage, yes. and they become disastrous yep. at that point. Yeah, and so. it really... It, it really does, and it's it's odd because we've had, I mean, we've had believers, and then we've had people that have sat down with us and have said, I don't want to talk about God. Sure. Don't, don't, and I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. But those same people at or the praying, end of our eight weeks praying us are out. praying us out. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. so it's, it's really wild. They see God just through wild. who we are. Yeah, right. and it's just transparency. I mean, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just tell people the way it is and what has happened and yeah. how we've learned to not, you know, not to do those things, and let me let me show you these techniques and what works, and and where there's mental health. You know, it, it's great because I have the yeah. experience with ADD. I've helped a lot of people with that. I showed them the charts I used to set up to how to monitor and run statistics on how you're doing with stuff. And so, you know, like I tell Pam, you know, we may not be the best at marriage, but some of the best coaches can't throw a football or a baseball sure. or swim. <laughs> sure. Um, so. We're not, I'm not the best at marriage. I'm not the best at always communicating. I still get stuck in my head. That's just... And that's what we tell know. people. You know, we're not perfect right. by any stretch of the imagination. We're, we're just... We've learned a lot from not being perfect for so long. And we just believe that, you know, this is this is the way. And, and our success our, is our, we... Our kids have grown up healthy. They don't, yeah. have, they don't have any of the signs of the pathology that our families had. It was tough for us because we had to, we had to break yeah. away from our families. Yeah, and just boundaries, yeah. which you talk boundaries, about. Yep. You have yeah. to have strong boundaries. Yeah, and, and it's understanding that God's the one that binds us together. Yeah, He's the one in the the very early early stages of what we were going through. He was, you know, I, I, I tell you that you know I didn't trust him any longer. I really didn't, and rightly so. Yeah, but I trusted God, and I always felt like okay you have me here I'm leaning into you and what do you want me to do I'm going to trust that you're not going to lead me into a a place right because I I feel like it was so clear what I was being told to do that I just didn't feel as though you're going to lead me down the wrong path without being next to me yeah and helping course correct yeah and Mark you referenced Psalm 23 earlier and that's kind of what that is right like even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death like I won't fear evil because your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And the thing is like, there are times when God asks us to go through these really scary things. Um, and this, the fear could be you go through this process and the marriage falls apart. You know, you go through this process and you're back to where you were years ago, trying to protect everything. But when God is leading that way, it's like, it's not gonna be easy. Like he's gonna ask you to go through that dark Valley, that shadowy place. But the difference is he's leading. Right? He's protecting, he's comforting. And I think oftentimes Christians think, well, if I follow Jesus, 
the places that he leads me to are always easy. And it's like, no, you have to go through the valleys to get to those meadows and those pastures and those, those tables that he sets before us. a four-story condo in that valley. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I've lived there for a while. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because you say that because, I mean, just today coming up here, you know, talking to Pam struggling, I was just very fearful. Just how's this going to go? Am yeah. I just going to shut down? Am I going to know what to say? But, you know, I promised God years ago and every night in my prayers that, I'm yours, wherever you tell me to go, I'm going, and I'm not going to question. I'm going to be scared to death, but I know that, mm-hmm. you know, and out of, I look at the beautiful things that, that have happened with us and the almost 30 couples that we have that yeah. we still associate with to this day that we'll be with till the day we die, and they're like, our, I call them our children's. They're like our children. They're great. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one of those kind of scary things that God asked you to do is come to collective. <laughs> Right. Because you guys, you know, you had been doing marriage ministry, you know, leading and serving in other churches and had community and your kids grew up in those places. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think we were maybe a year old. It was, no, you it, was it was January of 2018, right? It was the uh, first January. Okay. You were together. So we're a few months old. Right. And you walk back into an elementary school. You've done that game before, you know, with church. But it was interesting because Chris Perry was yep. playing here, and I used to play with Chris at our yep. old church. Yep. And Pam and Eliza went to the beach for a weekend, so Graham and I came up, and it's and um, Rachel yep. Thompson, we used to work together. Yep. And I hadn't seen her since she moved to Ohio to yep. be with her fiancé. Yep. Okay? Yep. It's the last time I'd seen her, talked to her, email her at work, and then... I'm standing there and I hear Mark. And I'm like, I know that voice. And I turn around and it's Rachel. I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. She goes, well, my husband is part of the team that set this up. I said, well, Chris Perry told me to come up. Yeah. And I just, I, you could just feel it. Yeah. I, you know, first time I saw you speak and I just fell in love with this place. Yeah. And one of the things when we talked for the first time, you know, your guys' heart immediately was, hey, we, we want to be with young couples. And we want to be at a church where there are people who are in the beginning of marriage or contemplating marriage, um, and we want to we want to serve them. And you know, now like you look at collective and you look at kind of you guys, and it's like, well, of course, you know, they have experience and all. And it's like what people miss sometimes when they don't see the fullness of it is that in order for you guys to continue to trust God and put yourself in a place of, hey, we want to love on these young adults you had to get back to a church that was portable and that was chaotic. And it was like, not just mentally and emotionally trusting God, like physically was a part of it. And, you know, in a lot of ways it feels like, oh crap, we're stepping back in our church experience. But because God put this burden on your heart, you're like, yeah, I'll push bins. You know, I'll, I'll ride the beginning roller coaster of collective, which was exciting and also chaos because we you know god was growing this church and things were happening but it was like we still don't know what we're doing um but but god asked you to do another hard thing like you know it's it's not it's not easy it's easier when you've seen what he can do it's easier when you experience the fruitfulness of that um but almost immediately you know it's it's crazy you guys start coming to collective and it was within a few months i hadn't i hadn't done any marriage stuff here because like I don't know. I, I guess for some people, I was like the pastor of the church that they were going to, but they weren't sure they're going to stick around at because it was, what is this thing? And it's probably later that year I get my first, hey, do you do this? And I was like, 
no, I don't, I don't do this, but I know someone who does and, you know, passed them on and said, Hey, like Mark and Pam, you know, this is your burden and this is what God's asked you to do. And I, I see the grind that you're doing with collectives. So it shows me that you're in on this. So will you start mentoring these couples? And you said it earlier at this point, it's been total, you know, through the history of it, it's been about 30 couples and we haven't lost one yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you guys give them your time. You give them your wisdom. You give them your hearts, um, for the couples that know, and I get to be a part of it too, which is fun. Cause like I do none of the hard work. <laughs> um, but you guys don't just do premarital. You guys love these people. Um, and they're a part of your life. Like you guys open up your door for these couples and you spend well, time just with, like with Jesus. It's a, re- it's the relationship. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not, Hey, we're old people telling you how to do something. It's, it's, that's what I love about this church. You know, I've told you before, it's just, you know, I've stood next to you at the cafeteria in the old place or in the gym and yeah. saying, you know, it's just, you need to find a younger drummer, you know, it's just so weird. And it's like, no man, these, these, these guys love on you. And yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's so cool. You know, well, I, f- I feel like I'm in my twenties when I'm here. Well, and I, you, Mark, you always like, yeah, I find someone younger. I'm like, there's something really cool though. When I, when, especially now, cause like I'll get an email or I'll meet a couple on a Sunday morning and I can say, Hey, you know, the drummer, that's Mark. I'll, I'll introduce you. And what people, maybe they understand. I don't, I don't know if they do. It's like, there's already a level of trust they have for you because they're like, Oh, like if I, trust this person to be in the band and, and lead me in worship. And, and maybe they're not singing, maybe they're just wrestling with the words. There's this level of like, okay, okay. Like if, like I'm, he's already a part of my life, whether I know it or not, you know? And, and for me personally, it's easy. It, it's easy for me to say, Hey, like you got to go sit down with these, these people because you guys don't just do curriculum. Right. And you guys, there's a, you know, a book and you guys walk them through it, but it's time and it's care and it's honesty. And I know, I know the couples who have been through it are so grateful for it. And I can speak from my perspective of like, my, Ray and I actually had really good premarital counseling from one of our um, uh, uh, psych teachers at, at Milligan when we were there. Um, she had taught a class that we were both in called Human Sexuality. And we're like, well, at this point, we sh- you should probably do our premarital because you've talked to us about sex for a whole semester. <laughs> And we were very lucky to ask her to do that because she cared about us, but she also had wisdom and experience. That is not normal in a lot of premarital. A lot of premarital is sign up for this conference and go to this thing. It's not one-on-one attention, but that's what you guys offer. Um, I feel like I'm doing a plug for you guys to do it. Hey, if you need premarital, email me, get you connected to Mark Pam. Um, so let me ask you guys, you have, you have the, the benefit of perspective when you guys are at that rock bottom moment, realizing I got to fight for my marriage, like, did you ever imagine that you, you guys would be helping and you've done premarital for 30 countless of people when it comes to we're in a marriage and we're struggling. Like, did you ever see God getting you to this point in your life? I Um, never did. Not in the beginning. No, no, I never, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I just knew that that's the only time I felt God's presence when he said, you, you have a do-over and it, it was totally up to me at that point yeah yeah i think for me it was because i am such a planner and such a control freak and um it just was so far out of the realm of 
possibilities for me because as I said, you know, God was my, he was my vending machine. I'll give you this, but you need to give me that. Don't ask anything else because I'm not comfortable with that. Um, And he, I always tell Mark, it it was such a big ask. You know, the, the one ask is for me is to trust because I don't trust. I just don't. I still struggle mm-hmm. with it today. Um, so for him to say, trust me and I'll lead you, that was huge for me. And um, it, it just was not what I envisioned myself. Like I said, you smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It, well, it, what's it, interesting it's, though is because we stopped, we went to counseling for you know, like 15 years, I think. And then we just stopped and things were fine. And then COVID hit. And of course, you know, at this point, I'm an extrovert. I want to be around a million people, yeah. and I'm stuck in You're a house. In. <laughs> I'm yeah. stuck in a house, um, and I think I started getting depressed. And of course, my ADHD became unchecked, which started to scare Pam. And so I started going back to counseling, exercising, eating right, and things are, you know, I'm I'm hitting on all cylinders again. Not perfect, but but. You know, Pam and I had some arguments over that, and I said, well, you know, you forgave me. You should be able to trust me. She sure. goes, it's not that that I don't worry about. It's when I see your ADHD is not in check, then I worry about, it. does he know where he is? Does he know what he's doing? Yeah. So it's just amazing somebody that can't trust anybody is still willing to hang in there with me, but I have to show her yeah. every day, yeah. and it's a struggle that, you know, I'm here, i got to get out of my head. And that's why we're such huge advocates for mental health. Yeah. I mean, that's something we, we talk with pretty intensely with our couples is that, you know, you got to really know what baggage you're bringing because it, as you said, it will show up yep. and mm-hmm. it will rear its head. And you, you would do yourself a, a great service to know what that is yep. and to understand it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're really big on pushing for mental health. Yeah. And, I, and I'll just do another plug here. If, and we've done this on other episodes, but if, if you feel like you are struggling with your mental health or you just don't know, you know, you're kind of in that place of like, I don't know why I feel this way or, or why it's up and down, or sometimes I respond this way and sometimes I respond this way. Um, we want you to reach out because we want to help you with that. And, uh, we have something coming later this fall where we'll talk more about this, but one of our, our things is, as we are in this giving series, and the podcast will come out after the, the, the generosity series, but one of those big dreams, those floodgate things that we talked about, and, and I mentioned it in the sermon, is finding figuring out a way to make mental health more accessible for people. And um, that is something that the three of us have been digging into. And um, I genuinely believe by around our birthday this year, Collect will be able to open up some avenues um, fully. They've been kind of leaking through to, to where it's not just knowing that you can talk about your mental health in this church, but us being able to give you the resources to really dig into that. And so if you're in that place, you just got to reach out to us. Um, you know, I always say the, the email info at mycollective.church, come find me, come find Mark, come find Pam. Um, you know, if you don't know who Mark and Pam are, just come on a Sunday morning and stare inside the drum set. Uh, I'm not the bald one. Yeah. I'm the old guy with gray hair. Um, But come and talk to us about that because when it's unchecked, it it leads to bad things. When it's unchecked in marriage, it's your marriage is already moving in the direction of destruction and it doesn't have to end. The rock bottom doesn't have to be as deep, you know, and, um, and I know with this church, 
you know, I would encourage anybody to talk to anybody yeah. because everybody, everybody loves on everybody here. Yeah. And I think it's great seeing the guys from the mission. Yeah. I mean, they're my heroes to see what they're going through, to watch these people go through what I went through and, and, and having Jesus and making it work. And it's, it's real. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, and we'll get into some advice in scripture. But one big question I want to ask now is, so what does your faith feel like now? You know, because part of the reason why this podcast matters so much and why we're doing it is because we want people to see that it is a bumpy ride and there are valleys and there are peaks and God comes into your life in weird ways. And a lot of our, our baggage with God isn't necessarily with God. It's typically the church, like it's Christians. Um, but here you are now. And so what does it feel like when it comes to your relationship with God right now? Um, mine is he's, he's, it sounds He's my friend. I mean, he's with me all yeah. the time. I'm I'm constantly kind of, you know, before I came up here, I was praying. All right, what do you what do you want me? Yeah. Where do you where do you want me to lead? What do you want me to say? What do you want? Whereas before it wasn't that way. Before it was me, and then okay, well you fit into my plan, right. so I will allow <laughs> yeah. you in. Yeah. <laughs> you can come into my plan. I'll allow you in. Now it's not. It's just it really is. Sounds very cliche, but it's very much surrender. It's yeah. okay. You lead, and you're. And the thing that's so interesting with this, with the series is, and when you were talking about the Shepherd series, is that God leads from the the front. front. Yeah. I always had people behind me pushing me to lead myself. Yeah. So this is this is just that's what He is mm -hmm. to me. He's leading me from the front. Yeah. And there's trust. And there's trust. Yeah. Yeah, which is just unheard of for me. Yeah, no, it's just the typical. If you take a string, you can't push it, but you can yeah. pull it. Yeah. So you need to you need to be up front. I mean, for me, it's just everything. You know, having everything out, just realizing as much of a mess as I've made our marriage and what I've done to the one person that. I mean, God put me in her life for a reason. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our. If you look at me and look at her and the way we are, we probably really shouldn't be married. We're, sure, sure. We, if we come to a crossroad, I'm going left, she's going right, without a doubt, no matter yeah. what. But we seem to make it work. Mm -hmm. yeah. God seems to make it work for us, and it's just I'm there for whatever he wants, and it's just been in the past, it's been five years now, I guess, with Collective. Yeah. It's yeah. hard yeah. to believe yeah. it's been that long, so I'm hoping hoping I make it to the 30th year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be in a wheelchair drooling, but hopefully we'll make it that long. But uh. Yeah, well, and this community wouldn't be this community without you guys. And um, so one of the things I, want, I always do in the podcast is I, I ask people to share some advice and some wisdom. And, you know, when I was younger and I had people in my life who had been through life experiences, mentors, I would always roll my eyes at the things they share. Cause like, you don't know everything, you know, you don't know me. And, and I've realized more and more as I get older, as I have kids, as I lead this church, there's wisdom that you can gain from other people and that they can give. That's going to stop me from going the, down the path that I'm pulling myself down. And so we bring that into this podcast because, you know, you guys have life experience, you guys have wisdom that can help people right now. So they don't end up in the place that you guys were, were in. And that's the beauty of wisdom, right? We, we gain it from our own bad decisions and our own good decisions, but we can also receive it from people who are willing to offer it. And so um, will you guys give us some advice? Like, and, and it could be about anything, faith, marriage, um, addiction, mental health. But if there's one thing you wanted to share to everybody listening to say, hey, like, 
here's just some wisdom I have for you. Uh, what would it be? And Pam, we'll start with you. Um, I think for me, it's multifaceted, but mental health, number one, yeah. understand from where you come and what your baggage is. And I think that kind of goes with that is you don't have to live life in a vacuum. That's why we have a community. That's why there's people that are here that have been there and, you know, that find people that are sincere and genuine and really want to love you and help you. And I think they're kind of the two, the two things for mm-hmm. me and accept help. Yeah. That's huge. Accept the help. Yeah. You know, no one is that strong. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody in this church is trying to help you for their own gain. Right. The culture here is people want to love and help you because they see what God can do in your life and they want you to experience that as well. They also have seen what their own bad decisions can do in their life and they don't want you to experience that as well. And that's a big thing. You know, when you grow up and Pam, you and I kind of have similar upbringings when it comes to addicted parents where like you have to protect yourself and you have to be strong and you have to be resilient. It's really hard to accept help from people. Um, and it's really hard to allow people to kind of step into your life and, you know, give wisdom or even just sit with you in it or even just say, Hey, I think you shouldn't be doing this. And that's a, that's a, that is a big part of growth is you can't do it alone. And uh, you, you got to have other other people. And you guys shared in your story, like you had those friendships where you could say, hey, here's what's going on. Help us. And it's not fix it. No. It's just, can you be there for us? And so I think that's the humility you need to ask for help is, yeah. is huge. All right, Mark, what advice do you have for us? Uh, I think the biggest thing I would say is uh, don't take the easy road. Hmm. I always went, oh, everybody's doing that. That's the easy way. Um, Because cleaning up the mess from the easy way is a million times harder than doing the right thing the first time. And that's really hard to do for people. So my my biggest thing is don't go down that path. Um, If you're thinking about it, come up and see me. Because I'll tell you, it's not, uh, you know, and I see some of the couples here that we've worked with and talked talk with that, uh, that struggle and I, and I encourage them going yeah. you know some of the couples I go you know the stories you two have that you're together and what you've been through in life makes me look like I had this perfect Christian life sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said you you don't know how many lives you can change and affect and save just to tell where you've been and where you are now because of of God yeah and even if people don't want to believe there's not a God you live a better life and if there isn't, and there's nothing at the end of this, well, then there isn't, but at least you had a great life. Yeah. I don't believe that. but And then reach out and, and be honest. Um, I always thought not telling everything was protecting people. It's not because you're not being yourself. Yeah. You're not yeah. being open. Yeah, and you'll never get to that place of peace because yep. you're trying to be a different version of who you yep. are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like you can always remember the truth, but you can never remember the lies. Yeah. 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 Um, so last question one that's been, I think, really enlightening on this podcast and asking people to share their favorite scripture. And um, specifically, you know, you can share, you know, the favorite scripture during your story, or you can share the one right now that just kind of speaks to your soul. Um, And if you have more than one, you can share more than one. But if there were a verse or some verses in the Bible that you feel like God has really like branded you with, what would those be? And Mark, we'll go with you first. 
I think the first for me would be uh, Matthew 9, um, the uh, parable of the sower, uh, because when we first disclosed this to my parents, um, my father, who actually had somewhat of a relationship with him, he was kind of cooler, told me to read Matthew. And yeah. just, you know, I look at kind of the phases of my life of, you know, you throw the seeds and the seeds land on the, the rocks, okay? They're there for a few seconds and they dry up and die. Then they go into a little bit of soil, a little bit of rock. They grow, you start feeling really good, but as soon as hard times hit, then you go into the weeds and then it's just the world is telling me that's never gonna work or you go into fertile soil. And so I've seen myself go through those stages to where I'm in the fertile soil. So yeah. that, um, but I think my favorite one has always been uh, Philippians. I think it's Philippians 13 with, I can do all things through yeah. Christ Jesus who strengthened me because it's tough and it's hard, but um, he's gotten me through it. I'm still here. My loving wife is still here, which I can't believe. So there's definitely a God yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I have so many, but those yeah. are just kind of yeah. like the, <laughs> That could be a the, whole different. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could sit here all yeah. day and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Pam. Me? Um, I think definitely two different phases. I think in the very early portion of our, our turmoil, it was, it was Psalm 46, 10, be still yeah. and know that I am God. And I had a really hard time being still, but I was, you know, yeah, and sure. I, I, I followed his leading. So I think that was important then. Now, um, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways submit to him and yeah. he will make your path straight. And that's the one that, you know, I have on my phone and I look at yeah. throughout the day yeah. if I'm getting ticked off about something. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's that's something that I've really branded yeah. on my heart. I'm just constantly reminding me of, of that. Yeah, that's so good. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you for your ministry. Um, yeah, I, I said it earlier, Collective is a way better church because you guys are in it, because your wisdom, because your servant-heartedness, because your desire to see healthy people. You guys have pushed me, and you've pushed this church forward in in huge ways. And, you know, I, I just want to say it again to everybody listening. Like, if your marriage is in a place where you, you don't have peace, or if your marriage is in this place where you, you know you've got that thing deep down inside that you're trying to keep shoving down and, and you know, you know, in your heart of hearts that it's going to come out, come find me and let's talk to Mark and Pam. And it's not the magic fix. Um, they'll tell you that talking with them is part of the process, but you d- got to do the hard work. And I know you guys have, have sat down with couples before who are married, who don't want to do the hard work and it breaks your heart because it's like, I get it. You don't want to do it. But if you want what God has for you. And if you want what you truly want, like inside, you got it, you got to fight for it and you got to work hard for it. And God will, God will bless that effort. And so if you are in that place, or if you're, you know, engaged about to get married and wondering, does collective do premarital quote unquote collective does. And what we do is we, we have you sit down with Mark and Pam and you go through the process with them. And my hope is that you listening to this podcast um, helps you understand that there are people in this church that want to help you and love you and care for you, not just through the process of getting married, but beyond the process of marriage, you know, through your whole entire life. Um, and they're here. You just got to ask for help. And um, guys, I'm so thankful for you. Um, for those of you, you listening as well, you know, Annie's podcast, we shared 
a few months ago now at this point um, when she alluded to Mark and Pam, this is the Mark and Pam. And so if you haven't listened to Annie's podcast, jump back and listen to that one as well to get an even fuller glimpse of who these people are um, and how much they love you, even though they, they might not even know you. Um, guys, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for trusting God. Um, thank you for fighting for a second chance, even though you didn't even know what that would look like because um, there are marriages in this church that have been healed and there are marriages that will be healthy um, because of your willingness to trust God and lean in and fight for the hard things and then take what God has given you and, and bless others with it. So thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for thank you. Collective. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, great, great community. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.